Right, welcome to the Two Saints podcast show today, everybody. The Two Saints email address for you. It is the Two Saints podcast show at Outlook.com. That's for any questions or features you'd like to see on future editions of the podcast. So coming up on the first half, Saints Club News and Corner Chat, Ings Bertrand Investigard staying or going this summer, and James Ward-Prowse now firmly in the England squad, should Saints fans be worried. Southampton FC February Goal of the Month winner. International reaction, James Ward-Prowse. Saints Foundation to feature on shirts for the Burnley game. Saints has won a year on. International report, Southampton Football Club, March 28. International roundup, Shay Adams. Under-18s report, Saints won Chelsea 3. International reaction, Alex Jankovic. Date confirmed for semi-final tie. And... Second day added for an evening of Queen. So, Mark, starting off with the very first one. So, Southampton FC, February Goal of the Month winner, James Ward-Prowse. Did they actually send this out to anybody, or did they just get a hat, put a few bits of paper in, shuffle them around and go, oh, here's the winner, James Ward-Prowse? It, it is clear to me, <laughs> right? It's clear. So, there was a vote of Saints fans. The fans vote. How and many fans it, voted? Two? Yeah. And it is clear, it is clear, right, that obviously they didn't watch all the goals. They couldn't have watched all the goals because that that lad's goal for the for the under twenty ones or under eighteens, whatever it was. I mean, that was the best goal of the bunch, and I don't understand how. James, I mean, even Danny Ings's goal was. Probably better than James Ward-Prowse's free kick, but there you go. I think even the most ardent of Saints fans would struggle to pick Ward-Prowse's over the young. It's yeah. just completely... Yeah, I'd, I'd, wow. Baffling. Absolutely baffling. But, but well done, James. Well done. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess if you're the captain, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway... So moving on to that, more news about James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse was left wanting more after scoring his debut goal for England in their first World Cup qualifier against San Marino. Yeah, I couldn't help noticing, Mark. He played in a slightly more advanced role. And I've got yeah. to be honest, for me, he was man the match. I thought he ran the show. I thought he was outstanding. Yeah. I know yeah, it was only got... San Marino, but I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, no, he was def. you know, he definitely got involved. And I think because of his performance against San Marino, obviously then he was able to get, you know, a substitute appearance, albeit yeah. that it was on for what thirty-five minutes against Albania, yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I felt that he he equipped himself very, very well, mate. I mean, yeah. the it was a win-win really, because obviously, you know, he played well in both games, even though he only yeah. came on against you know Albania as a sub, but he played well in both games. And it's ironic as well. In the following game, he wasn't picked for the Poland game. But but you don't and it was it was one of, and it was one of those games where to be fair if you watch the Poland game it was one of those games where the free kicks and the set pieces were awful weren't they and they were crying out for James Ward Prowse to be on them yeah the worst shock I mean, I mean all, all all I would say is is you know to be to be for to GMs it you know he's done himself the paracoud you know what worries me though Mark? what worries me is and we've seen this before with England and we've seen this before with Saints players as well as he's done. As well as he's done, I've got a real nasty feeling Gareth Southgate's going to leave him at home. And I hate to say that. It's controversial as it may sound, because he deserves to go. I can see Southgate making a massive error and leaving him at home. And I think that would be a big mistake. I I actually think that he will will play at the Euros. I really hope he does. Well, he'll be in the squad at the Euros, whether he plays or not, but... And the reason why I think that is because, obviously, Gareth worked with him as the England under-21 manager. And I think, 
you know, what he sees, he sort of likes. Uh, the reason why I would say he didn't play against Poland was basically because he had made the decision. He had made the decision, obviously, that you know he was going to rest certain players because yeah. because of their involvement in the previous two games. You know, yeah. and I th- yeah. and I think that's right because if you look at if you look at Germany, say, right. I mean, Jakob Lowe basically picked the same team for all three games. And look oh. look what happened. You know, he picked exactly the same person oh, no. for the North Macedonia game. I will say this, Mark. Lost. I will say this in fairness. If John Stones goes to the Euros after what happened against Poland, James Ward-Prowse is definitely on the plane. I mean, look, you look, you can have you can have moments that obviously... I mean, the, th- the thing is, is it, was, it wasn't great. But you know, did, did he deserve a call up to the England team? I've got to be honest. I thought for on one moment, basis, on the basis of the season, yes, he did. I'll be honest with you, Mark. I had a slight moment when I suddenly confused John Stones with one of the Saints defenders from last season. Anyway, we're getting off topic because anyway. we're we're yeah. anyway going off into the wrong area. So anyway, we will move on from there. That was the reflections on the uh, internationals featuring James Ward Prowse. Obviously, reacting to that. So moving on from there, Saints Foundation are to feature on the shirts for the Burnley game. Mark. Good to yeah, see it, I think, in, in certain respects. Yeah, I mean, what, what I'm interested to know is, like, obviously, you know, they do it every season, but also, you know, they do Skype every season or disability awareness every season. Yeah. Um, and I dare say, you know, the batting company probably won't give up the shirt for that, but we'll, but, but we'll see. But, yeah, there is a there is a caveat. There is a caveat with that, and the caveat is that Saints Foundation are asking fans to show their support during the match day, the charity match day, by making a ten pound donation. Right. Um, yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. But um, you know, the thing is, is surely the whole idea of of wearing the shirts is to raise awareness. And when I when I say raise awareness, I'm not you know I'm talking on a global stage. I'm not. I'm not just talking about in the round Southampton and yep. you know uh, in other places in yep. England. You know, I'm talking about you know obviously by by them wearing the shirts. Yep. It's it's an opportunity to get exposure on a. Yeah, group. it says it. Um, it actually says Southampton Football Club's main club partner, Sportsbet.io, has donated their shirt sponsorship and up to ten thousand pounds to Saints Foundation for the Easter Sunday clash against Burnley, helping to raise awareness and vital funds for the club's charity. The logo will be displayed across the first team shirts during the match at St Mary's, with the match worn shirts then being auctioned off to raise further money to support the work Saints Foundation carry out in the community. So there you go. As a further show of support for the charity, Sportsbet have kindly agreed to match the first thousand donations made by fans ahead of the charity match day up to a value of ten thousand pounds. Well, let's hope the raise that kind of money. Anyway, so we move on now. Saints is one one year on. What are your thoughts on it, Mark? Well, I think everybody's thoughts is that the response from the Saints Foundation in relation to the pandemic, because obviously <coughs> Saints one was 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 basically what came into being, you know, once the pandemic hit, and I think the response from that, you know, has been fantastic. Uh, especially for those of us in and around the city. And obviously it shows that, you know, the charity arm of the football club, obviously, you know, they've made sure that during the pandemic, you know, they're doing 
all the right things, really, in Absolutely terms right. of helping with the vaccination, yep. uh, making sure that people are still getting their prescriptions to come sort of get out of the house, you know, it, making sure that, you know, the elderly in the community is catered yep. for, you know, making, making sure that there's still the sort of soccer <coughs> soccer schools going on yep. and everything else because um, obviously all of that could have sort of fell apart and obviously there's the contact through the different zoom calls and you know and even in even to the point where you know uh the saints foundation have been you know phoning the let, let's say the the older um, Saints fans to make sure that they're okay and stuff like that. Absolutely. No season ticket holders and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, all I can say is it's a real positive response. I mean, it's funny, but when I went to get vaccination, uh, the the people that were helping out at the GP surgery where I went to get it, I mean, there was seven volunteers there and. Four of those, I think, were supplied by the Saints Foundation. Yeah, they've also been helping out at the uh, Royal South Ants where I have them on done. So, yeah, they've certainly been a presence in the city and they've certainly been doing an awful lot. I mean, Foundation staff actually volunteered 500 hours to support Solent NHS Trust rollout of the city's vaccination programme, which we were just talking about. So 500 hours, that's quite a lot of, of hours put in by the Saints Foundation on that one. Um, the club donated £10,000 £10, of presents to Southampton City Council's annual toy bill. So that's really good as well. Um, and as you said, they continue to stay connected to the participants throughout the nationwide lockdowns, including over 88,000 minutes of one-to-one -one calls of older adults and 800 hours of mentoring to secondary age young people through yeah. their community champions program. So those are kind of the standout ones. And also during the initial lockdown, through partnership with Fair Share, Southern Central, Club Chefs cooked an incredible 13,000 meals with Saints Foundation staff volunteering 1,700 hours of their time to distribute them across the local area. In addition, foundation staff also made 2,000 deliveries of prescriptions to people who were isolating. Yeah. So what a 12 months it's been. Saints is one. Absolutely has been Saints is one. And all under the same halo. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic, I think, Mark, in that one. Um, massively, massively impressed with my club over that. So, international roundup and international report and reaction. Shay Adams gets his first Scotland call-up. And um, scores in his second game, gets his first Scotland goal mark. Fantastic. Yes. And, and, in, and in his first goal, in his first game, he laid on the assist for the he goal. Did. Yeah, assist in the first game, scores in the yeah. second. And his, uh, his strike in the second game, just outside the area, buries it into the bottom corner after one touch. Yeah. So it, kind it, of very similar to what he's been doing at Saints, Mark. Yeah, all, all I would say is, you know, what much as you're talking about James Ward-Price's chances yep. on the Euros, I mean... You know, if Shay Adams, you know, keeps performing the way he is, uh, you know, in the in the Premier League, wherever, right? But he is a certainty to be the first name on that Scotland team uh, team sheet for the next, you know, nine or ten years Absolutely. if he wants it to be seriously, because yep. they have, I mean, they have. I was looking and reading an article, and basically, you know, they're, they're talking about eight defenders, eight midfielders, a couple of goalkeepers, and only taking three strikers. <coughs> and, and the thing is, is 
he is a racing certainty to be the first name striker in that Euro squad, and he'd be yep. the first name striker for me for the next you know nine ten years if he wants with Scotland because the thing is is he is the only real goal threat of a striker that they've got. Absolutely right. Well, and also the knock-on effect to that is, Mark, that you play against better opposition, it makes you a better player. I know that from when I used to play hockey years ago. The better opposition you play against, the better you become, and he, it will make him a better player, and Saints will benefit from that. Yes, there is a flip side to it, yeah. which we're going to be talking about in a few yeah. different times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a downside. I do take your point, Mark, yeah. And you're, you're quite right to point that out, of course. Yeah, there is a downside, and we will get to that later, obviously. So, moving on. Under-18s report. Saints 1, Chelsea 3. Oh, the trend continues, doesn't it? Oh, dearie, dearie me. They can't buy a win, can they? They really can't. It can't be good for confidence, can it? Uh, I mean, look, I've been I've been listening to one or two things, Mark, and I, I'm i still failing to uh, get my head around the fact that when you're losing, you know, it's all right people saying there's a clear pathway to different things, okay? Yeah. There's a clear pathway. I'll give you an example, okay? So there's a clear path. You know, Saints keep saying there's a clear pathway, and, you know, we're using the SFC playbook, uh -huh. right? Because, I mean, people call it the Ralph Hasnall playbook, but it's yeah. SFC, yeah. right? And, you know... The, the the thing about what's being said, right? And they keep saying that because the question was asked to Dave <coughs> or, uh, Horseman, is it Horseman or Houseman? Yeah, Dave Horseman. Yeah, Horseman. Horseman, right? He he was asked um, back in October, right? He's he was asked the question: Is it more important for? Saints to win games of football, yeah, or, or to win the win this uh, Premier League B, right? Or is it more important that they develop players? And and Dave Horseman said it's more important that Saints develop players, right? But the the problem that I have is. If you're getting beat every week psychologically, it isn't good for you. Yeah. You know yep. the thing. The thing is, is and and this is where I must be missing something in football in general. Because yep. I tell you, another person that said exactly the same thing about the England under twenty ones, right? And that was Eddie Boothroyd. Now, I don't know about you, but I follow the under the England. Funnily enough, I follow the England under twenty ones probably more than I do the Northern Ireland under twenty ones. But the thing is, is you know they keep turning up at major tournaments, right? And they keep coming home more or less after you know the the group games, right? Because the we thing is for me as well, Mark. If they yeah. if they think it's more important to get development, right, rather than winning stuff, yeah. Why were they so over the moon when the likes of James Ward-Prowse and that were winning tournaments for England then? Well, the th but the thing is, is like any Boothroyd was asked the same question. <coughs> you know, is it more important for Engl England under 21s to be winning European championships or, you know, at least give a good account of themselves, you know, when they go to major tournaments? And he basically turned around and he said, 
it's more about the development of the players because, as you know, it means that there's a clear pathway. I mean, I, I didn't understand, <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to turn this into an England podcast, but I didn't understand why, you know, people that weren't involved for the full team that are still eligible for the under-21s, like Alexander-Arnold, right? I'd have took him. I would have took him to the England under <coughs> tournament in Slovenia. Yep. You know, I would have took him to the Euros in Slovenia. Yep. But, you know, this this is what I don't get. It doesn't seem to be that it's about doing the best that you can possibly do for me on the pitch. Yeah. It, 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 it seems to be about all about development of the players. But like I said, the Mark, if you're losing games week in, week out, you know, what is that doing for the confidence of the players involved in those games? Exactly. So, international reaction, Mark, and this relates to Alex Jankovic, um, a player who you could argue would say that there isn't a clear pathway to the first team because he thinks he's outstanding and great. And, and Saints come along and sign the likes of Ibrahim Diallo and other players in the position he plays in. He's probably scratching his head going, I've had enough here, so one out, which he's obviously put a transfer request in before. Club turned it down. He plays 75 seconds for the Saints, gets sent off against Man United, hasn't played since. Goes out to the under-21s tournament with Switzerland and is playing an absolute blinder. And Saints fans crowing, saying, give him another chance, get him in the get him in the first team. What's your take on it? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's been outstanding, well, hasn't he? It's, it's a take on it, having watched, having watched you know, uh, some of the tournament, would be he was outstanding yep. against... England under 21s, absolutely outstanding. And when Mark yeah. says outstanding, everyone, put that in perspective, Alex Jankovic had the entire England team over the course of 90 minutes. He had the entire England team in his pocket over the course of 90 minutes. Exceptional. Yeah, no, he, he did have an exceptional game, that's true. Um, but then on the flip side of that, Mark, right? Yep. Is, is he that great? Because Switzerland, even though they beat England in the first game, they haven't qualified for the next phase. The, like England, they didn't get out of the yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was actually Portugal and uh, Croatia advanced to the quarterfinals. So, you know, but but having said that, I think the thing is, is he, he obviously has shown, even just in that game, that there's loads of potential there. And I can understand why Saints sort of, you know, are reluctant. Yeah. Yep. to let him go anywhere, because when, when you've got that sort of talent on your hands, you're sort of sat there thinking, but he needs to produce it on a more regular basis, you know? The thing is, there, w- there will be some Saints fans scratching their head going, well, why does he want to leave the club? You know, why 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 does he want to try and play in a position where there's enough cover there at the moment? Look, it's very simple. Oriol Romayu is not going to be around forever. At some point, he's going to leave, or at some point, he's going to step down, or he's going to his career's going to end, and you need somebody who's going to fill that void. Yeah. And Alex Jankovic has the capability to fill that void, so that's the reason they're trying to keep him at the club, and that's the reason they're trying to develop him. But there's no giving on any of the players that they're all going to make it, is there? No. Yeah. So yeah, um, for me, I think he's had an outstanding tournament, and um, you know, I just hope he continues to develop at that rate because if he does, fantastic. We've got another really good player on our hands. So, anyway, moving on. A date and time has been set for Southampton's Emirates FA Cup semi-final against Leicester City next month, which will be broadcast live on BT Sport. It's currently spot in the last four of the competition with an emphatic 3-0 win over South Coast rivals Bournemouth. 
Ralph Hasselhoek's side will now face the Foxes at Wembley Stadium on Sunday, the 18th of April, kicking off at 6.30pm British Standard Time. And Saints are actually yet to concede a goal in this season's cup campaign. Before we get into this, Mark, right, I just want to say to the listeners, we are going to cover, right, the spectator element in a in a later article. Yeah. Okay? So we're not going to talk about that. No. Right? So right. basically, why, why did it have to be Sunday at half six? Mind you, I suppose I did I did notice a few quips from a few Saints fans basically saying, well, at least my weekend can't be ruined. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Which sort of, <coughs> you know, it make me smile. But, yeah, you can't ruin your weekend, just the rest of the following week. I mean, the thing is, is I've thought about it, and even though I sort of thought to myself, half six on a Sunday night, I mean... There's never been a kickoff like that ever since, you know, the semi they decided that the semi-finals were going to be played at Wembley. You know, there's never been that late a kickoff. But having but having said that, Mark, and thought about it, you know, considering that no Saints fans, unless you're living in the Brent area, are going to be able to go to the game. You know, I suppose I, I just sort of think to myself. It is what it is. Let's get on with it. See, all I could see was Saints fans all across Southampton and everywhere else across Hampshire looking at their phone, going for every single contact they've got to find out who they know that lives close to the stadium that can get them a ticket for the semi-final. Yeah, no, but as I say, you know, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, just in relation to the kickoff, you know, after sort of thinking about it, I just thought to myself, well, it, thought, it makes little odds. No yeah. Saints fans are going to be in the stadium, yeah. so it yeah, makes yeah. little odds what time they kick off. You know, it could be midnight. It doesn't <coughs> make any difference. I mean, we'll all be sat there still glued to it, like, you know. Well, the only difference it makes is for the likes of you, South and I, who've been watching the watch-alongs that we've been doing, and every time we've had one, we've won. <laughs> so that makes a difference. No, no, well, it does to you and me. I don't know about the listeners. Yeah, anyway, moving on. I feel like a bit of Bohemian Rhapsody coming on. <laughs> anyway, due to phenomenal demand, a second night of Queen hits are coming to St Mary's Stadium on Sunday, the 20th of June, with only a few tickets remaining for Saturday night's show. At Fast and Secure seats for an unforgettable evening of classic Queen songs brought to you by Stars of the West End, with prices starting from just £25 for season ticket holders. Hospitality packages sold out for Saturday 19th of June. The club are pleased to confirm hospitality is now available for the Sunday night, including the Premier, Premier VIP experience with Prosecco on arrival, free course meal, all beer, wine and soft drinks included, premium director seating for the performance and access to a lounge throughout. Or you can choose from our concert dining package from £65, including a premium padded central seat, a drink on arrival, two course meal, a bottle of wine and lounge access throughout. Or the super seat package from £45 with arrival drink, meal from street food market, lounge access for out in the comfort of padded seats. How much is the fan zone? Is that a fiver? And bring your own. <laughs> I don't know, man. But I anyway. mean, the club, the club would love you for doing that advertisement. <laughs> but but um, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it is, look, it is what it is. <coughs> personally, you know, I, w- I wouldn't pay the money to watch you know, actors from a West End musical. 
I'll, pro- I'll probably pay, pay, play the money if Roger Taylor and Brad May was the turn In fairness, yeah. if, we, if we're talking about Queen and, you know, Queen performances and stuff like that, I'd much sooner be singing Another One Bites the Dust when we've beaten Leicester and made it five games out of five in the FA Cup, mate. True, true. Yeah, I'd much rather be able to sing We Will Rock You or Another One Bites the Dust. But anyway, look, you know, for anybody who's a Queen fan and likes a bit of Queen, it's a good it's a good way of spending an evening, isn't it? But um Yeah. Personally, I can think of a I can think of a slightly better way of spending anything between twenty five and ninety five quid to be fair. But anyway, that's neither in nor there. But yeah, um so it'd be interesting to see how many people take that, I think. So that brings us to the end of Saints Club News for now. So we're gonna take a very short advert and when we come back we'll be doing two Saints Corner chat. Ings, Bertrand, and Vestergaard contracts are due. This uh, contracts are due to be renewed or looked at or not renewed, as the case may be, depending on what the club decide. So, are they staying or going this summer? And James Ward-Prowse should Saints fans be worried, as he's now family part of the England squad? We'll be back after a short break to discuss all that. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, the two Saints corner chat, and today, Danny Ings, Ryan Bertrand, and Yannick Vestergaard. Yannick Vestergaard has 15 months remaining on his contract. Ryan Bertrand and Danny Ings have both been offered contracts from the club already, we're led to believe, um, and as yet haven't signed them. So, will they be staying or going? Um, I've been reading that Saints are actually quite committed to the fact that Danny Ings will see out his contract. Do I think he's going to sign a new one? I'm not so sure he is. Ryan Bertrand, I'd like to see Ryan sign a, uh, a new contract, but again, I'm not convinced he is. So I think with those two, you may well see their contracts run down. Yannick Vestergaard doesn't seem to be in a massive hurry to sort his contract out. But for me, it's more to do with, if you read what Yannick said regards to the interest from other clubs, um, as he had his head turned already, possibly, all I would say is, Yannick, don't forget, last season, you were pretty much fourth-choice centre-back behind the likes of Salisu, Bednarek, Stevens, etc. Okay, remember that, Yannick. Don't get two ideas too far ahead of your station and think you're getting a big move to a big club because you could fall flat on your face. I think Yannick Vestergaard should get his head out of the clouds a little bit because it seems as though he's got his head in the clouds a bit. Concentrate on the job in hand at the moment, then see where you're at in the summer and make your decision then. Do I think the club should look at extending his contract, given his upturn in form and the fact he's becoming a key member of the Saints team? Absolutely. I'd like to see all three of them stay. Am I convinced they will? At the moment... I wouldn't be surprised if they stay, but I'm not convinced long-term they'll be here. Two of them, I think, probably won't be. Yannick Vestergaard, probably more likely. But it is football, and anything can happen, Mark. <laughs> so, really, anything that you just said out there, yeah? You can't, it's difficult one to call, isn't it? I'm trying not to sit on the fence, but it's very hard to not. No, I, I don't sit on the fence, right? I'm so not trying to sit on the fence, I'm just saying. Am. Here's where I am, mate. Let's make it very clear, right? <laughs> First of all, I don't buy that uh, Danny Ings is going to be seeing out his contract. I don't buy that at all. I believe that the club will sell in the summer, right? Cool. And and I can't see him seeing out his contract. The, o- the only way I can see him say, uh, staying would be if they agree a different contract and then I would have thought that there'll be caveats in that contract where Danny Ings will be able to move for a certain agreed price but if I'm honest uh, I see him I don't, I don't care what's coming out of the football club I see him leaving in the summer 
I genuinely see him leaving in the summer. That's all right. If he goes to Man City, give us Sergio Aguero, and you can give us a bit of money in Sergio Aguero. You can have him for free. Anyway, <laughs> right. Anyway, apart from that, now that you've had your funny half hour, right? <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say is, you know, the the Yannick Vestergaard one. I see. I'm not like other Saints fans. I'd sell him if if. If somebody came in with 25 to 30 million quid, right, I would sell them. Uh, you know, it's rumoured the Tottenham want to do a, a, a Pierre, you know, Hoiberg yep. deal again. Yeah. And, and the thing is, Mark, as well is, right, I, I don't think he is. I mean, he has become key this season, yep. right? And it is because of the upturn. It is. It is form. It is form. If Tottenham right. want to do a swap deal or a Huey Bear type deal, it's very simple. Take Vestergaard. Give us Carlos Vinicius. Job done. Right. Anyway, can we get back to some serious discussion here? Right. So, but the thing is, is like I just as much as he's done well this season for us, right? I think he's the sort of person where that could all change very quickly, right? And, uh, you know, is he capable of going back to the player he was when we first signed him? I think think he is. You know, I'm not... I'm not no. totally convinced that he's if, completely up there. If Ralph was to turn around tomorrow and say... If Ralph was to turn around tomorrow and say, right, these are the options... Yannick Vestergaard starts every game. Mohamed Salasu we use every now and then. We might sell him eventually. Yannick stays where he is. Or, right, Salasu's going to start every game. We're going to sell Vestergaard. I'll tell you which way I'd be going. Same as you, I'd be selling him. I mean, the, the thing is, is I, I just think at the end of the day, 15 months left on his... I mean, it's not the 15 months left on his contract. It's 12 months so they've yeah. got a decision to make in the summer whether they want to cash in and bring in new players because that's what it boils down to, you know, or whether they want to keep hold of them. And if they want to keep hold of them, then they have to negotiate a new contract. I think and the I other just... part to it as well is, I think the other part to it is, at some point, Ralph Hassanisville has to make a stand and go, you're not committing to a contract, we're going to sell you. Yeah. Um, well, no, you know, no. he's going to come to that bridge at some point. Uh, well, I thought I I thought we were going to be here by now. To be honest, well, you think yeah. so, wouldn't you? But with Danny Ings and, and Ryan Burton. I mean, on, on the Burton thing, Mark, I've got to tell Dangerous you something, guy. right? I think he's staying because I don't think there's anybody out there that's better than Southampton for him in in relation to. Uh, Staying in the Premier League and anything, everything else. I don't think there's any better options out there for him. So even though there's a lot of posture and a lot of this and yeah, that yeah. going on, I think he'll end up signing the, the contract. The other thing is, Mark, he's continued to reiterate that he wants to stay at Saints. He's also continued to reiterate that he wants to stay at Saints beyond his playing career. Yeah, but Mark, the thing is, is I'll go, I'll go back to the one that you say, okay? So he's saying all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And and don't get me wrong, 
I think he'll end up signing the original contract he was offered in November. Yeah. Right? But but why why are we having to wait? No, why I agree. With you. Wait? Look, yeah. it's like I said about Danny Ings at the end of the day. Danny Ings has said he wants to stay at the club. If you want to stay at the club, you sign the contract. Yeah. I'm not, look, I'm not we're not talking about Danny Ings. Stop, you know. No, no, a bit same with Ryan. From, a bit right? same with Ryan, though. You're gonna sign the contract, Ryan. Ryan Bertram yep. doesn't have anybody else that's interested. I agree right? with that. It was believed that Arsenal were interested, yep. right? I agree with that. There's been a de- there's been a denial that they're yep. even remotely interested. So so you know, if he wants to continue his career with Saints and he wants to go into coaching, fine. But I don't understand why we have to wait until the summer before he signs the contract. My point you know, is it's the same for me as anyone else. To me, the contract should have been signed in the, in the November. And all he wanted to do was to see if there was any generated interest out there. My point about it was um, the same as other people. And, you know, it wasn't specifically, let's talk about Danny Ings. It's not about that. My point about the contract situation is Danny Ings was offered a contract. He said he's happy to stay at the club, sign the contract. Ryan Bertrand's been offered a contract. You said you want to stay at the club, sign the contract. It is yeah, that simple. I get I get all that, but I don't. The thing is, is I don't want to mix the two. I mean, I my my attitude with my attitude with Danny Ings is, you know, I I very much got the feeling, not long after he he was offered the contract, that he wasn't going to sign. I mean, yeah. the th- the the bottom line is, you're offered a you're offered a contract yeah. that makes you the highest paid player in Saints history. Right, reportedly over a hundred thousand pound a week. Yeah. Right. And you're not signing the contract and yet you're you know, like you said, you make all the noises yeah. about being happy at the football club. But look, the bottom line is is yeah. for me personally, Ram Burton can stay, but in the summer I would sell both players because yeah. I genuinely think that we're gonna need the money. We're gonna because yeah. We're going to need a striker. We're going to need, obviously, a, a defender to replace yes. Vestergaard. And, yep. and I also think that, you know, I'm sure that Ralph would like to bring in one or two other young players of quality. So, yep, um, you know, if, we're, if we were to sell those two for money, you know, and, and then we're looking at maybe four recruitments for the summer, you know, uh, I think with I think with Danny Ings, it's very similar to the um, Pierre Milhoyber thing. In the fact that you actually said to, you fronted Pierre up at a forum and said to him, "Have you been offered a contract? Are you going to sign it?" And he was non-committal. And for me, there's shades of that with Danny Ings. In the fact, he's been offered a contract and he's non-committal. Ryan Bartram, different thing completely. But again, he hasn't committed as such. Yeah, Yannick, um, I agree with you. Yannick Vestergaard, you probably could sell Ings and Bartram. If you need the money, they get sold in the summer. There's no argument. Yeah. Because no, otherwise, you look at it selling JWP, no, and that's the last thing you want to do. You can't, you can, we can't sell Bertram in the summer, he's on a free mission. Well, okay, not Ryan Bertram then, but Yannick and Yannick and Ingsy, definitely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because the Cause otherwise, you're looking at selling Ward Prowse, and God forbid, you don't want to do that. It's about it's about progressing, and like yeah. you said, right, you don't want to sell Ward Prowse because no. Ward Prowse is the cornerstone, you move him out. And you're left with absolutely nothing, you know. But it's, that's part of your that's part of your team's spine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, the thing, the the idea for me would always be, you know, JWP would be the start point, and you build a team around him. You know, you can't really build a team around him, but you get the idea of what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah, and and I think if you know, if the club, heaven forbid, were to sell him, you know, it would be a case of. You know, he'd have to go for an astronomical, astronomical amount of money for me. Absolutely. Yep, no, I agree with that. So, also, James Ward-Prowse, family in the England setup. Should Saints fans be worried? Mark? I, I think we should be deeply concerned, mate, to be honest. Um, I, I just think, you know, and obviously I can be subjective about it because my allegiances aren't England sort of thing, but they are when it comes to the other 21s, a bit bizarre. But um, all, all I would say is this, I mean, I'm always pleased for Saints players to get international recognition for their respective countries. It's great. But I think the the one thing that does worry me about the obviously, you know, James being picked for squads and the potential of going to the Euros is that you know, if he ends up uh, being in the Euro squad, for example, right, he plays a few games, then obviously that even raises him more on the radar to other Premier League clubs, you know, and other Premier League clubs that have way bigger budgets than us. So, you know, it, you know, so there is a, there is a worry there for me, yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of Saints fans don't necessarily recognise it. You sit there and you go, but it's got to be a good thing he's playing for yeah, England. No. I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's not a good my, thing. But there my is, view on it is... Sorry, carry on, Mark. There is, there is a problem with that in that, yeah, it's great for the player and it's great for us as fans to see him represent, you know, their countries and stuff like that. But... Uh, you know, with with James Ward-Prowse, I do think to myself, you know, if he does get plenty of exposure at the Euros, Mark, you know, and and he and England do well, you you know, you can bet your bottom dollar because England England are actually favourites in the tournament. Yep. You know, um, with the biggies. I mean, not yep. that that means a lot, but you know, if he do, if he does well for himself. You can be rest assured that people will come knocking yeah, in the please. summer. The thing is, for me, um, it's pretty straightforward and simple. Fantastic. He's getting England recognition. He deserves it. He's getting that recognition while playing for us, which is even better, to be fair. I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. The worry is that, yes, um, bigger clubs will want him. For me personally, I don't think it will come down to whether or not James Ward-Prowse wants to leave Saints because I don't believe he'll want to. I think it will come down to purely and simply, if the club decides to sell him, it's out of his hands. And I don't think it'd be down to James Ward-Prowse wanting to move. It'll be down to the club deciding to sell him. Of course. Because I don't genuinely think he wants to move, to be fair. But but my, my wish would be that, obviously, if the club decide to sell him, it has to be for a significant amount Absolutely. of money so that, so that, you know, Ralph's able to bring in quality reinforcements. Well, since we've been doing this um, corner chat, Mark, We've um, actually had some breaking news out on Twitter via Hampshire Live. Um, Hampshire Live is stating that Southampton have actually entered new contract negotiations with defender Yannick Vestergaard in the hope of extending his stay with the club well beyond the summer of 2022. 
And that broke very recently on Twitter this evening, literally right now as we're doing the pod. Right. Okay. And that's being reported via Hampshire Live. So the source for that, Hampshire Live, everybody. Anyway, back to James Ward-Prowse. I'm hoping he'll stay at the club, but I think it'll be down to whether or not the club decides to sell him. And it will be as a result of the England recognition. If anything, it puts the price up, but that doesn't now pass because it means we lose our captain and we lose part of the spine of our team. Well, we we, we lose one of our cornerstones, that's yeah. the thing. But well, for me, he's the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? As I say, it, it's... Um... We'll just have to wait and see it in the summer, mate. But um, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I'll go by what I said. You know, it, it's a double-edged sword, especially when it comes up to major tournaments. Because if you personally have a good European Championship or a good World Cup, that doesn't spell good for Saints in the sense of, you know, because the club look at it and they think to themselves, somebody comes in with a very good cash offer, you know, then it's a case of do we sell now, do we wait? And unfortunately, you know, James is getting to that point where he is coming into his prime. Yeah. And I I I'm not going to hide it. It does concern me. It does concern me if he goes to the Euros, you know. Um, Yeah, so in answer to the question, should Saints fans be worried? I would agree with you and I would say, yeah, they should be. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. Well, there you go. I think that's um, brought an end to to an end a quite firing, quite um, upbeat corner chat today. Oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but that's what it's all about, everyone. A bit of passion. We've got a couple of Saints fans here, passionate about what they talk about. So there we go. Anyway, that brings us to the end of corner chat for today. So we're going to take another break, and then we'll be into the second half of the pod. And coming up in the second half, we have other football news, Saints in the press, and transfer gossip, and the two Saints preview of this weekend's fixture against Burnley. Key fixture for Saints. Ahead of, obviously, coming up the semi-final in the FA Cup. We'll get into that at some point as well. So, coming up in the second half of the pod for you, we have other football news, Saints in the press and transfer gossip, and the two Saints preview of Saints versus Burnley this weekend. So, short break, and we'll be straight back. Fiesta 95 FM, the two Saints show. Right, so, welcome back. Other football news, and we begin with the Premier League. So, Premier League news. BBC are to show Wolves versus Burnley. Leeds versus Man United has been moved. Also, Aguero is set to leave Man City. Yeah, that's not a massive breaking news because you all kind of knew that last week sometime. Bramley Mordock, Everton cleared to build new £500 million stadium. That's quite a lot of money for a stadium. Right, yep. so anyway, starting with the Premier League. The BBC are to show Wolves versus Burnley and Leeds and Man United has been moved. So Wolves will host Burnley at Molyneux on 12 o'clock BST, Sunday 25th of April. Man City will now travel to Aston Villa on Wednesday 21st of April after reaching the FA Cup semi-final. Chelsea, Leicester and Southampton, the other semi-finalists, will also play their rearranged top-flight games in the same mid-week. Leeds United's home games against Liverpool Man United have also been moved to new dates. And reigning champions Liverpool will now visit Ellen Road on Monday 19th of April. So that brings you up to date with the Premier League coverage on the BBC. Right, moving on. Sergio Aguero is set to leave Man City at the end of the season. Danny Ings, one of the players that's been linked with them, and there have been several others. Erling Haaland, I'm hearing, has been mentioned as well, Mark. And I do believe his agent and his dad flew to London today. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But London's a bit far from Manchester, so I don't know. Who, who knows, eh? What's your take on it? Oh, uh, He's been a great servant, hasn't he? It's very straightforward, mate, because yeah. we'll, we'll bring the story up to speed. So... What what did make me laugh was <laughs> right. So Man City are planning to have a statue yep. of him 
uh, Vincent Company and David Silver outside the yep. stadium, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, he he has now stated that he wishes to stay in England, <laughs> more importantly in the Premier League. And it is really, <coughs> although I have to say, I don't think this team would suit the way that he plays football, but it is rumoured that Chelsea are interested uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of sat there thinking to myself, if he joins Chelsea, no doubt that statue, if it's ever if it's ever built or made, right, will get pelted with eggs. Yeah, but that, but all, all I would all I would say is like the bottom line for me is Sergio Aguero, probably the third best prem, Premier League striker. Of the Premier League era, I probably put him in behind. Uh, probably Alan Shearer would be yep. my number one, and the my number two would probably be uh, Terry Henry. Yeah, you can't argue those records to be so, fair. Mark. So you know he's probably probably the third. Um, and the thing is, is clubs are clubs definitely are going to want him. You know. Um, and if he choose to, chooses to stay here, you know, that, that's fine. I wouldn't have thought Chelsea would have been, you know, expansive enough football. Because the one the one thing I will say, Mark, is obviously at Chelsea, you know, the results have improved. You know, yep. Tuchel's got them winning games of football, yep. right? And, they've, uh, and obviously now they're in contention and qualifying for the Champions League. So, the you yep. know, the... the it sort of justifies it, but well, the thing is, Mark, as well with Chelsea, I would say is under under Frank Lampard, Chelsea played a more expansive yeah. game of football. But the thing is with Chelsea, if um, the thing is with Chelsea, if Olivier Giroud is struggling for game time at Chelsea and not like the feature very often, yeah, what sort of chances of Guerrero I got? Well, the, the, this is the thing, and plus, don't forget, you know, Aguero obviously Man City had contract talks with him and obviously what he heard wasn't the his liking because I don't yeah. I don't think I don't think City would have said to him you're gonna be first pick every Saturday. And, and if I'm right in saying as well Mark this he's season. actually available is it he's actually on a free transfer isn't he? Yeah he is yeah he'd be on a free transfer yep. Yeah. The West Ham will be trying their luck then. Oh yeah I'd be, I'd be very surprised, mate. I'd be very surprised. They'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll try it, won't they? It's just West Ham all over. Anyway, moving on. Bramley Dock, uh, Bramley Moor Dock, um, Everton's five hundred million pound stadium. Five hundred million pound. That's too much money in football, surely. Uh, I, That's I madness. Mean, when, when you read that, you sort of sit there and you think, I can't wait to see the first stadium. It's, it's, and it's not, it's, it's not like it's the size of Wembley. This is a fifty-two thousand capacity stadium. Because. I have to tell you, my my impression of say the Tottenham Stadium, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think it. I sort of think it's like something like a flying saucer or yeah, a yeah. spaceship or something like that. I have to be honest, Mark. I've seen the picture of the proposed Everton Stadium. Yeah, and it looks like an overgrown aircraft hangar to me. Right. Well, that doesn't sound good. All I'm going to say is, if it was based at a place called Hanger Lane, it would be perfect. Right. Okay. But uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But obviously, it, it's cleared its final hurdle. 
and it's going ahead and we'll have to wait and see what it looks like. I mean, that looks like more like the entrance to Wimbledon for me. Because <laughs> I've been to Wimbledon yeah. a few times. It's more like yep. the entrance to Wimbledon. It's um, but £500 million and it's a 52,000-seat stadium. Or the home base up the road looks looks very similar to that. Yeah. It's not far off, that. Oh, moving on to the EFL. And... Um, yeah, it's bad news for uh, it's bad news for the team down the coast that isn't a local derby, isn't it? Um, Bournemouth, they're in they're in dire straits, Mark. So the Championship Club have registered a sixty million pre-tax loss for the year ending June two thousand and twenty. Doesn't make for good reading this. The Cherries, who were relegated from the Premier League, saw their losses almost double from thirty two point four million to this alleged sixty million figures. Did not include more than fifty million in transfer fees, and after the end of last season. The turnover dropped by 35.7 million. The club is owned by Maxim Demin, and we're led to believe that the club actually owe him 160 million in debt. It's absolutely staggering amount. Um, so yeah, really, really isn't good for Bournemouth. So um, and the problem is also they've had quite a large wage bill, and the amount of players' um, wages has actually outweighed the amount they've got coming in and turnover. That's breaking fee for fair play, Mark, isn't it? I mean, I think on top of everything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. Um... But what I what I would say is that they'll be getting their buckets out again. Yeah, but in all seriousness, Mark, right? I mean, I think the more the issue for them would be the money that the owners owed. But yeah. then I've got a funny feeling that once the owner sells the football club, he probably waive the money. I mean, yeah. Alice Short when he owned Sunderland. He yeah. we we have any money. That was the old. thing is, Mark, I've looked at some of these figures and it baffles me how Bournemouth constantly get away with the stuff they do. This is a good example, okay? They spent $38.7 million on new players in 2019-20, okay? That was down from $94.2 million in the previous 12-month period. Yeah. Well, no, obviously they're trying to keep within because I would have thought that was more to do with financial overplay. But you do wonder, I think when you mentioned the previous amount of money, the 84 million, you do wonder how they get away with that being in an 11,500-seater stadium. Um, but look, it is what it is. But I suppose when, when you look at the overall picture, it's probably not that bad from where it's bad is they owe that money to the yep. to the owner. But I've just got a funny feeling that when the owner comes to sell, he probably waive any money that's actually owed to him. Because well, like, like I keep saying, Ellis Short, when he was Sunderland, when he owned Sunderland, you know, and he ended up selling it, he didn't, he didn't make any money from it. He didn't make any money from the sale. That's fair enough. You know, so let's hope that's the problem. The, I mean, it's slightly slanted because obviously it doesn't take into consideration it's a 60 million pound loss, right? They've probably got about 56 million pound in player sales, yep. so it's a four million pound loss. But then we've had the pandemic, so they're probably they're they're probably in a hell of a state. I mean, it yep. it's it's all I would say, Mark, is. It makes you know them making sure that they either get into the playoffs or go up automatically, sort yeah. of imperative over the next this this season or next season. 
And it, if they don't do it the next two seasons, yeah, I mean, I, they're heading towards League League One or Two. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So moving on, this is a positive story. We've had a lot of negative COVID nineteen stories throughout the last year when it comes to football. This is quite a positive one though. So EFL wide testing last week recorded zero positive cases for the first time. So that's good news. Yay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just thought I'd include it, mate, because obviously, you know, I've seen it and I thought, well, it's something positive there. Yeah, it's been good news for a change. Yeah. Yep. And good news keeps on coming. Uh, takeover of Wigan Athletic has been completed, Mark. It's finally over and done with. So, Abdul Rahman Al Yasmi's takeover of the League One Strugglers has been completed. Yeah, and let's let's just hope that you know as a club now they can move forward and Absolutely right. you know I I just think it was really important that the, obviously with the effort that the fans had put out, put in yeah. to keep the club afloat during the time of finding yeah. an owner and, and getting yeah. a deal done, yeah. you know obviously it it's great news for the Wigan Athletic supporters. Yeah, and just for anybody who may have been sucked in on April the 1st, there was a very clever April Fool prank that was played on everyone by the ugly inside, stating that an American businessman was going to inject a massive amount of money into Southampton Football Club, including 150 million quid in the summer. It was, in fact, an April Fool, everybody. There is no takeover imminent from a Silicon Valley billionaire. But um, I did actually read the article, and fair play to the ugly inside. They tried to pull the wool over everyone's eyes. Put an awful lot of work into it. Unfortunately, it failed miserably because not many people were taking in, but I know there were a few here and there that were. So uh, just want to mention that quickly, throw that one in there. Wiggins takeover did happen. Saints aren't having one at the moment. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. Football's child sex abuse scandal. Abuse survivor welcomes crew chairman's resignation. Steve Walters first spoke out in 2016 about being sexually abused by Barry Bennell. Ex-crew Alexandra player Steve Walters welcomed the resignation of the club's chairman, John Bowler, saying his departure on Thursday means abuse survivors can finally move on. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say about this is John Bowler obviously is the last remnants of anybody who was around at the time when a lot of this was going on. And obviously he's the last last remnants of any of it. Um so obviously Steve Walters used to play midfield. He's a central midfielder for crew. And he's right, you know, it gives it gives the survivors now an opportunity to to you know to hopefully move on with their lives. And I'm sure it's difficult, you know. I don't want to speak about it too much, Mark, because I don't yep. You know, the thing is, is there's nothing that I can really say or do or yeah. anything like that there sure. that brings any sort of comfort. But, yeah. you know, I think it was relevant that Steve Steve Walder came out and said, you know, said it. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, it, it gives everybody now a chance to, to move forward. It's a bit closure. Or at least move, move on from a dark period. It's um Paul's history. Yeah, it's a closing of one chapter and a dark chapter and, a, and beginning of a new one, which is good. It's got to be done. So, yeah, ending a bad chapter and starting a new one afresh, which is good. So, English and Scottish FA Cup stories. FA Cup semi-final, BBC to broadcast Chelsea versus Man City at Wembley. Shocker. The FA Cup semi-final is to have spectators. Well, one of them is, and that would be the Southampton versus Leicester um, FA Cup semi-final. So, there we go. That's uh, It's been chosen as the test event, as they put it. So, 4,000 fans in attendance from the local area. 
So there we go. That's that one, Mark. And also, sports scene to show three Scottish Cup ties. Right. So the first start, one is? Starting with the BBC are to show Chelsea versus Man City at Wembley. There's a shocker. Right. Okay. And then, obviously, you want to move on to Southampton and the fact that we're the test event and yeah. we're going to have 4,000 people. Yeah. And quite frankly, I've got to be honest, Mark, and say, am I that surprised that the 4,000 people come from Brent? No, I'm not. It's, okay. At the bottom line is it's a test event. And uh, no, you can't buy tickets for it because it's a test event. People will be invited to attend the, the game. The thing is, and that's they're doing this. Works. The thing is, they're doing this because they want to see how people behave and their behaviours and stuff like that. You're not going to get a clear reflection of what it's going to be like when fans return to stadiums because you've got none of the fans of both the teams that are taking part. So no. the atmosphere is not going to be the same. The behaviour won't be the same. So I get it numbers-wise, but I don't get it crowd-wise, if that makes sense. Right. Well, all, all I'm, all I'm going to say, Mark, is, right, they've got the start somewhere, okay? Yeah. Now, obviously, Brand Council didn't want, you know, 4,000 fans or whoever yeah. coming into the area. No, I understand that. Right? That, that is, you know, that, that's the bottom line. Yeah, no, I understand Council, that. Brand Council yeah. didn't want that thing. The thing is, is obviously if the test event works well, then there is the possibility that there's going to be 10,000. I was going to say, that's almost double. At the final. Yeah. Um, but and I, and I take your point because we spoke about an offer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I said, I've got an issue at yeah. all with the fact that it's, you know, it's local people going yeah. to the event. But yeah. and, I, and I did say to you, yeah. But it's not replicate what yeah. a football match is, is is normally like because yeah, no, I agree. As I say, you know the people that are going to the football match aren't invested. You know they don't they don't support either side really. So it's not going to replicate what say the FA Cup final is going to be like. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, at the end of the day, look, it is what it is. I can understand the uh, the reasons why Brent Council didn't want more people. Understand why they wanted to keep it local, but obviously, you know, it will be another month down the line when the finals happen, you know, and and then we'll have to see what happens. But it, it is, you know, I can get that it is disappointing because it's not going to be a passionate crowd. I mean, yeah. yes, it's good for. The the players or the teams involved that there's people in the stadium, but it's not gonna. They're not gonna be invested people, you know. They're not gonna be invested in the match, you know. It's it's like I said. The thing is, is like, and I've got to be honest, you know. If if I, you know, if we were to get to the final and I was lucky enough to go, Mark, I've got to be honest. I wouldn't be interacting with anybody else. I'd be just sat there in the seat, sort of. Watching the game and taking everything in, but yep. I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be acting how I would normally act. I've no, got to be no, honest. You know, no, I'm. I'm right there with you on that one. I totally would be exactly the same. To be fair, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'd be highly delighted 
I'd be pleased that I was able to attend and everything yeah. else. Yeah. And I'll, you know, and I'll crack open the bottle of whiskey when I get home, you know. But you know, apart from apart from that, you know, uh, as I say, it, it's it's such a different it's such a difficult one, you know. Because yeah. you see people doing normal things, but I mean, for I'll give you an for example. So the baseball season started recently over in America, right? And everybody was socially distanced. And then, of course, what happens? The ball, right, seals out, right? <laughs> ball seals out, right? So, of course, what do the crowd start doing? They start all running towards the ball, trying to yeah. catch it. Yeah. So run. And, you, know, forgot. You, can't, you can't win either way. Yeah. Like, you know? totally, totally forgot where they were. I totally forgot if it had been through. Totally forgot yeah. all the rules. Yeah. You know, and that they were perfectly observing. I mean, I've, I've seen the footage. They were perfectly observing everything, yeah. right? You could see groups of families were sat with each other, yeah. properly socially distant. Yeah. And then as soon as the first home run gets hit, they're off and running down. Got to get the ball, got to get the ball. <laughs> well, all I'm going to say is when cricket returns to the GS ball, watch out what happens when the first six gets hit. It'll be the same thing. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Scottish Cup third round. Sports scene as you show Ross County, Aberdeen, and Hibernian toys. Yes, and um, over to our resident Scottish football expert, Mark, and it also talked to you about the other Scottish football news, which is Scott Brown joining Aberdeen as a player coach. Well, I have to tell you that that was exclusively revealed by me last week. It was. I actually said that they were in talks with Scott Brown. You did. You did. For the take over the role. Or, well, take over being the assistant at Aberdeen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, before, <coughs> before I actually called you up to do this record, I was actually watching the Ross County Inverness Caledonian Thistle uh, Scottish Cup game. Um, it was one each when I left it, but uh, but I'll get back to it whenever we're finished. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was, no, I mean it's it's good. Look, it's good news. I mean, the interesting thing, I suppose, you know, that that I can speak about is Bora Rangers actually knocked out Hearts in the previous round, and that that's probably one of the biggest upsets ever in Scottish uh, cup history. You know, um, and obviously, like you've you've got those games going ahead on TV, and it's good news. And then just move moving back to the Scott Brown story. I mean, I spoke about it last week on here. I don't actually understand why, you know, they've gone with two really, really inexperienced lads in Stephen Glass and, and um, Joe, uh, sorry, Scott Brown. They yeah. know each other from their Hibernian days. Now, yeah. obviously, Stephen Glass came through the Aberdeen ranks. Um, but uh, as I say, good luck to them. But it'd be interesting to see if they can hit the ground running or not, Mark, because yeah, I don't absolutely. think they've got their work cut out. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So, moving on from there, Champions League 2024, a decision on a new format with 10 match first phase has been delayed. So decision on a planned new Champions League format with a 10-match first phase from 2024 has been delayed. The 
The proposal, which has been under discussion for almost two years, has been expected to be signed off by UEFA's committee on Wednesday, but has been pushed back to the 19th of April. Basically meaning that the current group phase under the new proposals would be scrapped. Yeah, I mean, all, all I'm going to say on this, Mark, is I agree with Steve Parrish. He came out and spoke about this a couple of weeks ago where he turned around and he said, this signals the death knell for English football in yep. terms of the money. Because the, the, the problem is is that, you know, probably by about 2026, the TV yep. money won't be in the English game anymore because they'll be they'll be concentrating on this larger Champions League format that's being yep. introduced. Um and it, and it is a worry. And every every supporter out there, I don't care, you know, what team you follow, you know, any any decent sort of person that cares about the English game, you know, should be worried by this development. Yeah. So I, I mean, again, I don't want to turn it into the them and us. It's great if you're an armchair fan. It's not so great if you're paying money through the turnstiles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. No, exactly that. Exactly that. Right. So, moving on. England under-21's news. A.D. Boothroyd says the England under-21 manager's job is utterly impossible. Yes, interesting. Right. The England senior men's job was called the impossible job, he said. The England under-21 team is the utterly impossible job. Before it said the way the England national setup is structured limits the chances the under 21s winning tournaments, despite the fact his side won the two long tournament in 2018. It's not possible to win at all levels, he said. Part of the reason we haven't won this for 37 years is that the under 21s role is to get players to the first team. Former England defender Mika Richards said before it had to be judged on the under 21s winning things. And questioned England's mentality towards the team. Boothroyd said he thinks he's done a successful job and revealed he's been in regular contact with Gareth Southgate, while Football Association Technical Director John McDermott is in Slovenia with the side. Are we on the same page? Absolutely. All the way through the pathway, we're on the same page, he said. Well, all, all, all I would say to that is, you know, <laughs> look, it's a difficult one, Mark, but all, all I'm going to say to you is this, right? When Eddie Boothroyd was sacked as Northampton manager, yeah. right, which was the last management job he had in the Football League, right? Yeah. Before he moved to the FA, right? Northampton were nine points adrift of safety, right? I think they were the foot of the tape, foot of the foot of League Two at the League Two at the time, right? And he, he obviously left the job, had a bit of a sabbatical, and then went to work for the FA. All, all I would say is, is you know, England have success. Uh, the England under-21s have successful uh, qualifying campaigns. But yeah. when they get to the major tournaments, Eddie Boothroyd, I mean, they've played, they've played six, right? And he's only won two. Yeah. You know? Because uh, obviously they qualified for this year's Euros and they qualified again. I think it was four years, two years or four yep. years ago under them. And when they've got to the finals, they've only won two games. It's ironic as well, actually, that I think you'll find as well, the two-long tournament, if I remember correctly, in 2018, 
I think you'll find a certain Saints captain was actually part of the team that won that. A certain yeah, James Ward-Prowse, Mark. Yes, no, um, but uh, as I say, it's um, uh, look. I do. I think Eddie Bufroyd's the man for the under twenty ones. No, probably don't. Uh, I know. In fact, I know I don't. But the no, thing is, is it, it's the double edged sword. Where and I spoke about it when we were covering the the Saints Club news that it, it, England seemed to be stuck in this thing about. It's all about the pathway and it's all about developing players and it's not about winning tournament football. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and, exactly and, yeah. and as a supporter, you just sit there and you think, oh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I no, really, really don't get it. No, me either. Well, let's hope the England 21 start when he thinks you should prove him wrong. I mean, look, it's like I keep saying, Mark, success is bred from confidence and confidence is bred from getting results in it. So, you know, they've got to start winning stuff because it helps with confidence. If you want players to step up, you need confidence to be an England player. Anyway, moving on to Euro 2020 news. Euro 2020, Denmark is set to allow at least eleven to 12,000 fans at games. It's quite a decent number. UEFA Euro 2020, UEFA to allow teams to make five substitutes at this summer's European Championship. And as a result of that, UEFA are considering bigger squads for Euros after five subs rule confirmed. See, I'm, look, I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna pass comment on the first two, no. right? Because I think, okay, they're pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, and pretty much. We've we've seen more or less the same thing happening because of COVID, right? Yeah. But I've got in regards to the last the last article, I. I don't see why there should be bigger squads. I mean, surely, <laughs> I thought to myself, surely with COVID, right? with COVID, you don't want bigger squads. You'd want lesser squads. I can't be honest, Mark. I'd quite like, I'd quite like somebody to say to Ralph Hasenhut, well, Ralph, what do you think about having bigger squads due to this um, situation with UEFA? I'd love to hear what Ralph Hasenhut has to say on it, Mark. It'd be hilarious. But but you know as I say it's uh I mean I've got to be honest, man. I I don't see the point in there being bigger squads. I get that they're allowed to use five substitutes. You know the thing is is the the chances are because of the situation the way it is, it's not going to be seven name substitutes. You're probably going to be able to name the whole of the rest of your squad on yeah. the bench. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. I I just think having bigger squads it's it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the, the good thing is, Mark. Um, you know, I agree with you. But the good thing is, we get a bigger squad for the Euros. Gareth Southgate will be fine because then he won't have to make a phone call to sort of four or five players to say you're not going because he can take well, them anyway. Well, no, there, there, there is that benefit, <laughs> I suppose. But then I, I sort of sit there and think. If Northern Ireland had a qualified, yeah. we had a struggle to name 30 players. That's a fair point, mate, actually. Yeah, That's a fair mate. point, actually. Yeah. No, look, you've alluded to why that is as well, to be fair. You have enough problems finding that many in your own in your own leagues, don't you, to be fair, from what you've told me. So, yeah, I get where you're coming from. Anyway, let's move on from there. So, World Cup 2022 Qatar, Qatar protests from players. Norway players have staged a protest and German players have staged a protest. Well, Germany actually qualified for the World Cup yet. Um, 
No, After losing no, to Macedonia. Nobody, nobody has, mate. We're only in the first round. We're only in the first round of matches. But... Well, like, let's not forget, Germany lost to Macedonia. Uh, North Macedonia, get North it right. Macedonia, sorry. North Macedonia, thank you. I don't want people, <laughs> you upsetting people around the yes, globe. North Macedonia beat Germany. But um, I was going to say, um, all, all I'm going to say on this, Mark, is, and I don't have a problem about it because obviously no. it's players just expressing their own their own viewpoint on it. Yeah. And the human rights record in Qatar is it's an absolute disgrace. I mean, yeah. there's just one thing I wanna I wanna speak on on this, and that is that the treatment of the workers that have had to build the stadiums in Qatar as well. I know that hasn't been highlighted. But that was probably part of the protest too, because some of the, some of the workers were treated, you know, terribly. Uh, basically, it's you know, it's to make sure that these stadiums obviously are up and running and ready for yeah. the twenty twenty two World Cup. Well, next yeah. year's World Cup now. So, yeah, I mean, it, uh, as I say, uh, you know. <coughs> me, to me, me the, you know, the players, if they get what's going on in Qatar, they have the right to protest if they want to yeah. protest. You know, yeah. as long as it's done responsibly, yep, yeah, not yeah, yeah. a problem. And, uh, yeah. No, actually, actually, right. Yeah, and you know, you've got people, people protesting in Formula One and American football and everything else. So, you know, watch your football be any different. Anyway, talking about stuff like that, footballers boycotting social media over racism and bullying. Thierry Henry has removed himself from social media as a result of all this. Said he won't be re-engaging until it's all pretty much stopped because he's had enough of it. What's that effect, pretty much? And um, also, Gareth Bauer said that he'd be quite happy to join a social media boycott in order to fight abuse. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is Mark, like, and you know, we we touch on this every week now. Yeah, but the thing is. I think unless you have sort of, you know, a lot of influential people in the sport world, right, yep. come together and say, let's boycott social media until the likes of Facebook and, you know, whatever, whatever I mean, I'm not on Twitter and things like that there, but yep. all the different social platforms, until yep. they're prepared to take some sort of action, where people are responsible for their accounts and yep. it's all, you know, passworded and whatever. Yeah. And they then these people can be properly identified. I think I think it's the right course of action to take because I mean I I agree. I agree with taking the day in, in terms of the awareness thing and everything else. And there probably is a sell by date on yep. that mark, right? Yeah. But but until somebody comes up with something better, as I keep saying, I'm in favour of it. But I like I like the idea of this, but it needs yeah. loads of influential people to get involved to sort of bring these bring these uh, social media companies the account. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with that, and we've discussed it every week. You know my stance on it. It's always been pretty much right down the line. Um, be it on the pod or not on the pod, you know, you and I have both spoke about it and I've been right down the line on it, so same as you, yourself. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, we're going to take a very short break, little advert coming up, and then when we come back, Saints in the press and Saints transfer gossip. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, 
They're here with everything in the Two Saints show. Right, we're back, back everybody. So, Saints in the press and Saints transfer gossip. So, Southampton have the ugliest fans on Tinder in the Premier League. It's a little bit harsh, Mark, I think. Yannick Vestgaard admits links to big clubs are a pat on the back. Um, yep, Southampton said to have opened talks with latest Spanish sensation. Jonathan Woodgate drops claim over Bournemouth face as West Ham, Brighton and Southampton circle. And Southampton now confident Ryan Bertram will sign New Deal and snub Arsenal. Arsenal fans want James Ward-Prowse signed after classy England display. So we're starting with Southampton have the ugliest fans in the Premier League on Tinder. <laughs> Harsh. Um, They're in the wrong area. I don't. I don't know because I. I'm, I'm going to leave this one with you, Mark. Right, because I have never frequented Tinder. Right, I've. I don't even know what it's about. I, I'm assuming that you get a photograph of somebody and you do the judgmental thing. Yeah. Oh, it's very and simple. You swipe left, or you swipe right. Right. It's okay. Left. Left for no, and right for yes. Right. Okay. I mean, to be to be fair, I mean, you know, I've been frequenting traveling with Saints fans, their matches and I mean, going to fairness, home games for, you know, yes. over twenty years. Well over in, twenty years now. In fairness, right? on Tinder they say swipe left, swipe right. I think actually what they should replace it with is snog, marry, avoid. Right. But unfortunately, quite a lot of those would be avoid, so it's a bit of an issue. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, the thing is, is like the thi- let, Let's be honest to the listeners here, right? I mean, Mark and I are far from oil paintings, right? So, so, we're, <laughs> so we're we're probably not best placed to pass comment, but um, I mean, you know, all these sort of polls are subjective. I mean, half of me sort of thinks to myself. Yeah, it's just people who are obviously, you know, big big club supporters, right? That have obviously piled in on a survey, right? And the lesser clubs, right? The lesser clubs, mind you, Newcastle was there, so I don't know what happened there. And I've met I've met some stunning girls in the Gallagher area from Newcastle, um, but but there you go. But I mean, I'm I'm just assuming that you know, because obviously we we got it in the next. And Burnley's fairly down low down the list, but you know, you notice that none of the bigger, apart from Newcastle, none of the bigger teams are sort of down round the bottom. And I I just think half these surveys are filled out by you know people that don't even attend the games of football. You know. It goes back to the armchair mentality again. It's ironic that it's ironic that the clubs with the most money have got the best looking fans. Yeah, probably because they've all had plastic surgery because they've got enough money to pay for it. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, I think we'll move on from there. I think we spent much more than enough time on that silliness. Yannick Vestergaard admits that links to big clubs are a pat on the back. Uh, yeah, they're a pat on the back for Southampton FC, not you. Yeah, I mean, all, all I would say is, like, he's done, you know, he has done well this season. And obviously, he is sort of taken in his stride by that comment. And it is it is a ringing endorsement for him. It is a pat in the back, you know, because yeah. obviously, you know, it's through Ralph's tutelage, if you like. But obviously, Vestergaard's hard work as well. Because, I mean... 
he, you know, to be fair to him, we've had a massive, you know, he's had a massive turnaround during the season. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and good luck to him, you know. Um, you know, irrespective of what happens about these contract talks and everything else or what might happen in the summer, you know, good luck good luck to him because the as I say, the turnaround and change in fortune in his performances personally have been, you know, fa- fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on from that, Southampton is said to have opened talks with latest Spanish sensation Jorge de Frutos. Um, he's actually currently, <coughs> sorry, bear with me a second. Currently with Valladolid. Um, he was with Valladolid for um, until January. He would like play just three times before joining Segunda Division side Rayo Vallecano for the second half of the season. Last summer, he was a player whose career was going nowhere. Top tier side in Spain, Levante had seen something. They signed him on a five-year deal last summer from Real Madrid. At 23 years old and with only three top flight appearances to his name, there's a big chance for the winger and he seems to have taken it. So far this season, he's made 27 appearances in La Liga and scored three goals. It's not his scoring prowess that's made headlines. It's his assists that are making him stand out. He's got eight so far and only four players in La Liga have more than them, including a certain, certain Lionel Messi. But anyway, Mark, the thing is, is... How true those rumours are, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is it's being reported that they're in talks. I, I've i got to be honest, I don't believe it. I don't Neither. believe it. Um, but they'd have to have money you know, for stuff. Well, whether they had their talks with him in the summer or have yep. discussions, you know, yep. let, let's wait and see. But... I don't yep. believe anything's going on at the minute. And I think Saints have enough and they're playing dealing with the issues that they're having to deal yep. with at the minute. Well, the three players that have got contracts coming up that need to be sorted in Ings, Batch and Vescon, probably a bigger, yeah. bigger issue, uh, I would say. And the other thing is, the bigger issue is making sure, you know, and I, I'm not being a doom and gloomer because I, I think we will do it, but the most <laughs> important thing is making sure that we're in the Premier League Absolutely. for this season. And, and also, you know, you would hope that we're going to do that before the semi-final so that we can all sit back on Sunday at half six and enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, moving on. Jonathan Woodgate drops claim over Southam- uh, over Bournemouth face as West Ham, Southampton and, Bro- and Brighton. Sorry, West Ham, Brighton and Southampton circling. Bournemouth manager Jonathan Woodgate has suggested that Ford, Arno Dan Yuma can go on to, to as high a level in the game as he wants and urged him to continue to want to do more amid reported transfer interest. He's enjoyed a promising campaign so far in the Championship. He's been involved in 14 goals in the league with 10 goals and 4 assists in 25 appearances. 24-year-olds refound his confidence after a difficult first season in English football. The form of Dan Juma has seen him attract the attention of the likes of Saints, Brighton and West Ham. So, just in a nutshell, very quickly, Mark, basically... I kind of agree with what Jonathan Wigget said, but but my attitude would be that they're going to command a higher price than we're willing to pay. I think I think Bournemouth paid somewhere in the region of twelve to thirteen million quid for him, right? I I don't see us paying even twenty million for him, so. Do you think that any sort of deal is going to go ahead? No, I don't. I don't. You know, and this is why I'm saying the about the summer. 
And if there's the opportunity of raising money, either through Vestigard, although now we're, we're contract, either through Vestigard or through Danny Ings, I think I think you've got to look at it and take it because yep. there are other elements of the squad that does need sorting out. Uh, beside, besides obviously finding a replacement for Danny Ings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. Oh, moving on again. Southampton are now confident Ryan Bertram will sign a new deal and snub Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I figure, well, all, all I would say is it has been my long held belief that initially, probably at the, at the turn of the year, there was the belief that there was some kind of interest in Ryan Bertram, right? And then I think as things have gone on, that that interest, if there ever was any interest, has sort of subsided. Yeah. And, and this is this is the other reason why I say to you that it it's my belief that eventually he would sign he will yeah. sign the contract. But I just don't understand all the posture and everything else that goes on yeah. with these sort of things. But that, okay. you know, that we've already had that discussion. Yep. And talking of posture and etc., we'll move on to the next story. Some Arsenal fans have come out on Twitter after their performance for England recently and said that they want to sign James Ward-Prowse. Well, it's not all of them. It's not a majority of people across the country. It's a few Arsenal fans. Yeah, no. I get that, but you know, the thing is, is they're in lies your danger, Mark, that yep. we've spoke yep. about. You know, that, that is where the danger lies, you know, because people obviously, they sit up and they take notice. You know, yep. and, and for us, for us as a club, it's, or for us, for us supporters, not the club necessarily, but for us supporters, it's a double-edged sword. Because yep. you want you want to see people do well. You want to see them represent their country. Yep. The, you know, that element is not an issue for me. But it's when you get the exposure and everything that comes with that, yep. and then there's the danger of the sale. Yeah, absolutely. Huh? No, I agree with that. Two Saints preview of Saints versus Burnley. It's the Two Marks CNH on the Two Saints Show Fiesta ninety five FM. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, the Two Saints preview of Saints versus Burnley. Last time out at home, February 2020, Vidra Strike gives Burnley a win at Saints. And this season away, September 2020, Burnley needs players, Dyche said, after Saints' loss. So, for me, this could be a tough one. I think Saints might edge this, actually, given that they have got most of the squad fit, from what I can gather. And I'm actually going Saints 2, Burnley 1. Uh, I hate being put in the spot there, because <laughs> you know I never get it right. Um, it's going to happen one week. So I'm going to be slightly more outlandish, I think. I'm going <laughs> to go for a Saints three nil victory. Oh, emphatic! Yes, um, emphatic. I, I I just think that with all the players back, right, and thankfully James Ward-Prowse didn't have to play in the final game. So, obviously, he came back although national duty. We don't know if he did come back injured or if it was just a precaution, as uh, they said. No, it is just a precaution, mate. Right. I mean, the thing, the thing is, is why why uh, keep a player 
if he's not going to get used in the in the squad yeah, for, for that particular game. You know, yeah. um, I'm sure it was a case of uh, Gareth Southgate making the call and just saying, "I've seen enough." You know, I'm happy for you to go back to your your club or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, I'm going for three now. Um, I don't know how it, it 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 becomes so difficult for us to beat Burnley. Now I, I I get that they're structured, they're committed, they work as a team, they've got a good team ethos, right? And a lot of that pulls you through. But I sit there and I look at the quality that we've got compared to what they've got, and I, and I just. This time round, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, there's too much on the line on Sunday for us not to turn up. They they, they still owe us a performance in the league off of the back of losing to Brighton at home, which was the last league game, you know? And, and, you know, and really at the end of the day, you know, I hope that Ralph's been able, <coughs> those that haven't gone on international duty, to get them together, to regroup, to focus again, because it's a different competition. You know, yes, we're yeah, one yeah, yeah. away at Bournemouth, right? Well, but, you know, league-wise, we need, we need to go into this game with focused minds on Sunday. Well, the advantage you have, as he has had during the international break is he's been able to work with Danny Ings and Theo Walcott, who've both been back in training during that period. Hopefully that would be a bit of a fillet. If nothing else, it would be a fillet for the team. And you yeah. said yourself, he is a bit of a talisman, Danny Ings. So, you know, if nothing else, it should give the team a bit of a lift, hopefully. Oh, no, no when, I, when I was saying that, I, it wasn't in reference to Danny Ings. It was more in reference that you threw uh, Theo Walcott in the mix. I said 2-1 for me and Mark saying 3-0. Emphatic either way, I think. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me, but all I would like to say is, you know, still... Keep looking after each other. Keep taking care of each other, you know, and make sure you go and get vaccinated when it's your turn. Absolutely okay. right. Look after Absolutely. each other. Um, bye for now. And thanks for listening, people. Absolutely right. And the ways to access the podcast show are via Acast, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, um, YouTube, Facebook, and you can also get it via Alexa if you say, Alexa, play the Two Saints podcast show on Amazon Music or Alexa, play the Two Saints show on Spotify. So there we go. And the final thing for me to say is please join us again next week when the Two Saints go marching in again. Bye for now. <laughs>